show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, it's Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Instacart Health expanding its partnerships with provider organizations. Who will take responsibility to prioritize the evolution from healthcare to health? And can health systems see enough value in food as medicine programs to play a part in scaling them? I'll talk about that. Then I'm honored to welcome Dr. Gordon Chen back to the program. As a principal and board member at Chen Med, Dr. Chen has a unique perspective on the state of value-based care, the changes that are needed to create more transformative care, and the benefits to society as we make progress along those lines. It's another unforgettable conversation, so it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Instacart is scaling its approach to delivering health. Instacart Health launched in September 2022, and since then they've expanded the number of partnerships with hospitals and health systems to incorporate medical expertise and benefits into their services. These include Boston Children's Hospital, Alignment Healthcare, Mount Sinai Solutions, and Kaiser Permanente. These partnerships aim to harness the positive relationship between consuming nutritious food and experiencing better health outcomes, while addressing the need for increased access to obtaining and incorporating these products. We talk so often about access to doctor's appointments, but here we're talking about access to nutritious food and a healthier lifestyle. It's pretty simple here. Better access to nutritious food leads to better health. I don't know any legitimate voices in the healthcare community that would disagree with that statement. It's in the quest to prioritize initiatives like this, however, where we see the status quo continue to block innovative strategies. How often do we hear hospitals and health systems talking about scaling food as medicine programs? To that end, can anything be a high enough priority amid their attempts to recover revenue and keep staff off the picket lines? When Instacart Health launched these partnerships a year ago, I said that this is one of the latest steps in the march from healthcare to health. It's part of a world where sending fewer people to the hospital is a good thing, where consumers are embracing self-care and asking for more access, more convenience, and more humanity as part of their personal health journeys. Home-based, consumer-friendly, preventive, tech-enabled, convenient, whole-person, These words will continue to represent the evolution. Provider organizations that align their business models and consumer experiences to these trends will be the best prepared to find the profitable path to meeting the new healthcare consumer. The good thing is it can come through partnerships. You don't have to develop your own Instacart health platform. You can take advantage of the technology infrastructure that they've already created. I suspect we'll continue to hear about players like this that are carving out parts of the value chain in a way that work for them and for providers. Let's remember food as medicine and other health initiatives as we look to recenter health strategies and the business systems that lie at their foundation. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. The flow, the flow, the flow. 
Hey everyone, welcome back. Let's get into the flow. I am pleased to say we have a very special guest today. Please give it up for Dr. Gordon Chen. Dr. Chen's back with us, the author, principal, board member at Chen Med, and we're really excited to have him. Dr. Chen, welcome back to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, Jared, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it feels like we're doing like an annual checkup on the industry, I guess, or I'm just glad to have an opportunity to check in with you. How are things been going lately? I know you have, since we last had you on, it was last September. Since then, you've rolled out a YouTube channel. That's one place maybe we could start today. I'd love to hear how that's been going and kind of what was behind that. The YouTube channel is designed to really stretch people in healthcare and to think not only about their own personal leadership development and how they can stretch themselves and stretch the people around them, but also designed to help people to think more broadly about healthcare transformation. What do we need to be thinking about even outside of healthcare, the interactions? What can we do as a society to focus more on health and wellness? And really just having a platform where transformative care can be real. And we define transformative care as a pursuit of health and wellness for everyone involved. And where can we align and come together and champion these concepts of transformative care that's what the YouTube channel is all about. I know for me personally, when you're mentioning, it, it kind of helps transformative care come alive because you're sharing a lot of health and wellness tips that they don't sound that profound. But then when you put them in a, a 60 second video and you're just sharing these things rapid fire, I feel like it's training my brain in the right way to say, yeah, don't forget these things. You've heard them before, like now actually do them. So I really appreciate the the format there. I don't know what, what type of feedback you've been getting. I imagine it's been really good though so far. Yeah, no, it's been great. And it's wonderful to get like-minded people to to have a space to challenge the existing system. And also for people that are thinking differently, we'll welcome those points of views that are not mainstream, right? Because we really need to think differently in order to get a different result in healthcare. Yeah, I love it. I think right along with that, we can kind of talk about some of the milestones that ChenMed has been celebrating. So you last joined us last September, so a little over a year ago. Tell us what has been happening in the world of ChenMed and, and what's been going on, what types of things you've been celebrating in that year since then. Well, ChenMed had another record year of growth in terms of membership. I, I believe it's about 50,000 new members since last time we spoke. And so currently we're in 15 states, 130 medical centers. We're growing about 30% a year over year. And, uh, and we brought in just really uh, talented leaders. We have Steve Nelson as our president. Steve used to be the CEO of United Healthcare. And obviously, he's bringing a tremendous amount of experience and some other leaders have joined as well. Our family has taken a, a bit of a step back from the day-to-day operating and, and we're trying to empower our other leaders to really drive things forward. And we have a goal by the end of the decade to reach 700 centers and serve over a million patients. And we want to be the provider that's the most trusted in America with industry leading outcomes. So high vision, a big task for us all to go after. And we're really excited that we have this amazing management team in place that is bringing their best every day. Well, I imagine it's been a minute since you haven't had a day-to-day operating role. What has that been like? So it's only been, let's say, two and a half months since Jessica and I have kind of stepped back from our 
leadership roles. I used to be the chief medical officer and Jessica, my wife, used to be the chief clinical officer of Chen Med. Let me tell you, it's been super refreshing. And we are building a culture here at Chen Med to be the best leadership development organization, not only in healthcare, but across industries. And so for us to really delegate that to our leaders, empower them, and then take a step back so they can take a step up it's been really refreshing. The other thing it's allowed us to do is to start to go back into heavy learning mode about what healthcare in America needs in order to get to better outcomes. And so we've been really thinking, how do we accelerate healthcare transformation? How do we allow these communities that either are underserved or seniors in different demographics that need more support? How do we empower them to really get the most out of their golden years? So for those who didn't hear the first time you were on the podcast, I want to mention that real quick. That's episode 232. And there we described a couple of concepts. A place that we started in that episode was just a basic explanation of what ChenMed does for those who aren't as familiar that might be good for us to do a, a refresher real quick on that. Can you give us a layperson's explanation of, of what ChenMed does and what makes it unique? Absolutely, Jared. So what ChenMed does is it brings amazing, mission-driven, talented primary care providers and their care teams into communities across America where there are seniors that want affordable VIP care. And what we do with these really talented PCPs They function as the quarterback of our patients' care. They only have 450 patients on each of their panels, so they can really dive into giving their patients dedicated support and oversight and build a strong, trusting relationship. And really what those relationships, as they're being built, are designed to do is to help our patients, our seniors, to live longer and live better, starting with what can we do to help patients to avoid preventable hospitalizations. And so we're able to cut hospitalizations by 30 to 50%, just cutting out the ones that are avoidable through more proactive, preventative approach. And these are the bread and butter hospitalizations that you kind of, as a physician, you scratch your head and you go, why do these still occur? Why do people get admitted for heart failure? If we would have caught it earlier, we would have prevented those hospitalizations. And so once we're able to go into communities and really start to transform the care of the individual seniors, one senior at a time, what we find is the broader community transforms because you're focusing on the sickest population in that community, seniors that are otherwise falling through the cracks, and you're building a safety net for them, and then you're helping them to live longer, live better. The cascading impact on them, their families, their communities, in addition to hiring locally and pouring in world-class training and development into many of these underserved communities, has a transformative effect. And once we're able to do that, about two years or three years into it, these medical centers become self-sustainable and we can then pour in our pour into other new communities that also need our transformative model. All right, let's dive into a couple of the aspects of that model then. I think one of them is absolutely the risk aspect of it, the value-based aspect of it. Can you 
give us a state of the state of kind of a macro level. What's going on with value-based care in the U.S. right now? I see a lot of headlines, and I guess it just helps me to have a, someone's perspective as yourself who sees it probably from a clearer perspective than I do. What are you seeing overall? Like, What are some of those macro trends going on? Are we seeing some progress overall with value-based care? Just, I, I'm just curious what you're seeing in the industry right now. Well, Jared, ChenMed is a full risk model. And so we're on the extreme end of value-based care to the point where we don't really call ourselves a full value-based model. We, we're more of an outcomes-based care model, and we call this transformative care once it's able to scale. And because we are full risk, that means that we have the ability to use our resources in a way that drives better outcomes, and we can think about the whole patient. We don't need to think about segments of the patient, or we don't need to think about transactions or the the fee-for-service kind of transactional care mindset. We're able to think holistically about our patients and then create something that helps them to live five to seven years longer. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing our patients living longer and living better. But what's happening broader in the healthcare ecosystem is many of the health systems that have tried to dip their toe into value-based care, they really haven't been that successful. In fact, between the patient's And the providers, the physicians, the caregivers that are stuck between a fee-for-service model and also a value-based care model, that actually increases complexity for the system. And it's very difficult for many of these systems to be successful when they're trying to do two different things at the same time. Focus is very important. And so basically what we're seeing in the broader healthcare ecosystem is we're seeing a lot of health systems try value-based care and really fail. We're seeing some value-based organizations like ChenMed really grow and thrive and disrupt in a positive way, and that's accelerating. I think that will continue to accelerate. And the people that are trying to do both, it's just not feasible. So there are systems that that are only fee-for-service, and they understand that value-based care is becoming more and more of a reality, but they continue to focus on fee-for-service. So we're seeing health systems and groups kind of declare themselves one way or the other. Are you value-focused or are you transaction-focused? But doing both is difficult. So it sounds like we could get to a better place in in our country as far as providing care as ChenMed does grow, as other outcomes-based care models grow, like if there's more of that overall and you have organizations that are not trying to do both at the same time, I think you described it in your previous interview here as having a foot in two boats when you're trying to do both things. That's what I'm hearing is that this is a reason for us to to champion the growth of ChenMed's model and the outcomes that are coming as a result. That's right. And I think the country needs more voices, more examples of how value-based care can work and how you can really just focus on what patients want. And they want better outcomes, right? They don't care what it's called. They just want a quarterback for their care. They want someone to help them with all of the aspects of their care and translating this complex healthcare ecosystem to simplify it, to say, hey, what do I do next? How do I live longer and how do I live better? So ChenMed, again, we're trying to not only do it through growing and scaling our centers, but we're trying to really get the word out that this can be done. You can transform American healthcare. 
you don't have to continue down this path of fee-for-service, of transactions, where we see record rates of burnout for caregivers, for nurses, for physicians, because once it just becomes about transactions and not about relationships, then you lose your purpose. And many people went into healthcare because of a deep purpose. So that chasm right there of kind of losing your purpose along the way, it sounds like, I mean, that's another one of the outcomes that's separate than the clinical outcomes here, but that's one of the outcomes that you'd like to see as the growth of this model continues, it sounds like. I mean, like you're very aware and conscious of the state of the provider and the clinician and the need to not do anything at their expense, but rather to have that their outcomes in mind just as much as clinical outcomes. I, I think that's just a fascinating part of this. Like It sounds like it's a really important piece of what you're trying to do here. That's right. And the clinician is so important to really get them empowered to make the change happen. They're the ones, that the physicians, the PCPs, nurse practitioners, the ones that are really interacting with the patients, building that trust, they can really make change happen. And so despite being in this environment in healthcare where there's a severe primary care shortage, ChenMed has continued to really hire hundreds and hundreds of outstanding primary care providers, both physicians and nurse practitioners, because they want more purpose. They want more training and development. They want to grow as a person, as a leader, as a change maker. And they can do that here in ChenMed. We invest more in our clinicians than any other organization by far. Our clinical leaders get not only mentorship and coaching, they're really stretched to the point where they feel like it's almost a fellowship in transformative care and maybe even a business leadership fellowship as well. And so they get that while they're actively experiencing this transformative care model, which is really unique. So that's allowed us to to really recruit and hire and really inspire this next generation of clinicians and clinical leaders and shows them, not just teaches them, but shows them how to transform care. Well, you mentioned that part of your mission here is to get the word out about these benefits of this model. And I know one of the the things that, that I just came across recently is an article that you and your brother Chris recently published in NEJM Catalyst, so New England Journal of Medicine, on making the case for transformative care. Can you summarize the key points of that article and, and kind of what, what led to the desire to publish there? Absolutely. So as we were growing ChenMed and really just seeing what was happening in so many different healthcare ecosystems, and also seeing this bipartisan support for value-based care, we realized that moving from transactional care to value-based care as a destination is not enough. Because how we define value-based care as a society is just having some type of value-based contracting involved to help to move the incentives more towards some type of quality measure. And generally speaking, that's not enough and that's not a good destination. And so we need to change the focus to not just say, hey, we want to get from fee-for-service to value-based care. We need to get further to an outcomes-based care model where it's 100% focused on these value-based full-risk arrangements where you can take care of the whole person. And so you don't need to think about transactional care or fee-for-service. You're just thinking about improving outcomes. Kaiser Permanente is a great example of that. And then once you're focused on outcomes, 
right? The, the whole person helping them to live longer, live better, reducing hospitalizations. Then the next question is, how do you get to transformative care as the goal? Because that can scale, that can disrupt, and it's not good enough just to have outcomes-based care practices and select parts of the country that can't scale and grow. You need to get to transformative care, which can scale the outcomes-based approach. And for that, you really need an amazing mission-driven culture. You need amazing clinical leadership development, which is what we've done at ChenMed. And you need the right data systems and the right investment in technology to empower the clinicians and the teams to scale and to focus on what's most important. And so that's what we describe in transformative care. And so the goal of the article, why why do we get so much attention from New England Journal of Medicine and The Catalyst? We get that kind of attention because America needs to start to think differently because we've been talking about value for decades and we haven't seen the changes that we need. So it's time to evolve towards transformative care. I think it's such an important discussion here. And I, I know the goal, I, we're, we're advocates on this program. We're evangelists for these types of transformative changes that can happen to provide better care ultimately, to make care ultimately more accessible, higher quality better outcomes, all the goals that we have here, there are paths to do this. And that's an important part of the discussion that we like to have here on this podcast. What do you think it will take for more delivery systems to embrace this whole notion of transformative care? Delivery systems have a difficult time disrupting themselves, right? Who wants to really disrupt what is working for them today, although they know that it's not sustainable. They know it won't work for them tomorrow. Delivery systems need to make critical decisions starting at the board level and the executive team to make that investment into a dedicated outcomes-based care model. That's the start. And whether or not that's some type of partnership or someone's coming along and helping them to think about how to create an outcomes-based care model. You, you can't scale, you can't get to transformative care until you really understand first what you're trying to scale, <laughs> which is an outcomes-based care model. That, you, again, you see pockets of this across the country, but more and more health systems need to go and say, hey, I need to develop a full outcomes-based care model without the distractions of fee-for-service. And that has to be led by primary care. And it cannot be something that is trying to have one foot in two different boats, right? You're going to be too unsteady. So these health systems need to make that investment or decide against it, right? One way or the other, but they need to know what their plan is to meet the needs for the future, not just for today. Well, I want to honor the care that you put into developing physicians along the way as an absolute critical part, if not the very center of this process that you're describing. Clinicians today, we're well aware the weight that they're feeling, the weight of delivering care in this confusing model of care. It's ineffective in a lot of ways. A lot of times they just, they carry that burden. It just adds to the burdens that they're already carrying in so many other ways. What message do you have for clinicians who are feeling that weight and they're not even sure what, where to go, what to do, or how to improve or change any of these things in your life? What do you tell them? Well, clinicians need to know that if they're working for a transactional care model, 
then it's going to be a practice where they're pushed to see more patients in less time. And they're pushed not necessarily to make the impact on the patient's health, but they're pushed to complete as many transactions as they can. And that's just the reality of being in a fee-for-service model, right? Incentives really drive behavior. And so if they're incentivized, if their CFO or their executive team is incentivized by more transactions, well, then they're going to be encouraged to have more transactions. And we know that it's not the transactions that lead to better health. In fact, more transactions, more procedures, more hospitalizations, we know all of those things are actually linked to worse outcomes. So what I want clinicians to do is, number one, have more awareness of the type of practice that they're in today. Are they incentivized just for transactions or are they incentivized for health? The second thing I want them to realize is if they want more of a tie-in with the impact to the patient, more of a tie-in to purpose in medicine, then there are options available. Not just Chen meds of the world, right? But there are many practices that they're incentivized to build strong relationships, provide great service, and to focus on outcomes. And for that to occur, I want clinicians to know that they need to develop themselves to level up their influence skills. Because once you are responsible for someone's health, well, then we need to start flexing the EQ muscles, the empathy muscles, the muscles that help us to build trusting relationships with patients and actually change their behavior. And then you go from just a clinician that's an expert to a behavior change expert. And that's where healthcare needs to go in order to have downstream the impact that we want to see in patients' lives. We want them to make better life changes in a way that supports their health. I mean, taking the right medications and stopping to take the wrong medication. So I want clinicians that are struggling to really hit the timeout button, reflect on where they're at today, and really be intentional for where they want to be and how they're going to build purpose into their practice. And what about the other side of that? The consumers, the patients, everyday people, their families, their caregivers, they're often struggling to navigate the healthcare system. The last time we had John, we described the story of your own family, of your father, and you know, the story that was in the book about struggling to navigate the healthcare system, being in the healthcare system <laughs> and then struggling to navigate it so much. And I don't think it ever gets old to think about consumers, how to help them navigate that. What message do you have for them, for anyone who's trying to struggle as they navigate their own healthcare journey right now? We've been there. We've been there. We've struggled as a family. We've worked through this broken healthcare system, even as a family full of physicians, just navigating the complexities, the challenges, the fragmentation. It is not easy. And so, especially when you're potentially facing life-threatening situations, it's very difficult. And so my message to the consumers, the family members, is really know what type of organization that you're trusting with your health. Know how they're incentivized. Are they incentivized to do more to you or are they incentivized to coordinate care in a way that leads to better health? The other thing I would suggest is they need a quarterback for their care right? It's not good enough just to add more chefs to the kitchen, right? And you don't know how the food's going to turn out. You need someone that can really be accountable for 
bringing all aspects of the care together and translating that in a way that you as a consumer can understand. That is critical. And so the, the principle of having a quarterback for your care and having accountability in healthcare, not everyone being accountable, because when everyone's accountable, no one's accountable, but really having point accountability for health, those are the systems that I would choose. Lastly, really just understand every system has great providers and every system has providers that maybe aren't so great, right? And so to know that you have choices, not only in how they're incentivized, how you relate to them, how they connect with you, and are you able to build a trusting relationship? Because these relationships, they're holding important, life-changing decisions in their hands. And so you need to have that strong relationship built upon trust. I will second that. I feel like we don't need any more chefs in the kitchen either. <laughs> That's it's so important. And it's the natural thing to do is to put more people in the mix and, and get them involved there. So I love that. I love the thought of a quarterback for your care. And I love the thought of recognizing that none of this comes at the expense of the clinician's needs. I love how you've been able to draw a balance between the two and not say one comes at the expense of the other, one's more important than the other. This is absolutely a, a, a symbiotic relationship here between those providing the care and those receiving it. And as we all recognize that there is a place we can go, there's a destination here, there's a place where things are improved, where outcomes are improved, where that day-to-day -day sense of frustration is lessened, on both sides of the aisle. Here, I love just the thought of recognizing, yeah, we are trying to move the needle here. We're trying to get to a different place. If you think that that destination has changed, or if you think it looks the same as it did maybe a year ago when we last chatted, like on the short-term horizon, a few years from now, the types of things that we'd be celebrating in healthcare, the types of progress that we hope we're achieving through some of the methods you've described here, these processes of scaling, the concept of transformative care. What do you hope that we're celebrating in healthcare three to five years from now? Do you think that's changed? Absolutely. I think it's evolving. And three to five years from now, not only would I love for everyone in healthcare to have a very clear understanding of what transformative care is and why it's so important for America, that I think would be fantastic, but then also broadening the view to start to, to take a more societal view of what's driving our health and our outcomes. And it's not just medical care. We know that medical care can account for about 15% of the impact on health, but we know that taking a much broader view, and this is why when we talk about transformative care, it's the pursuit of health and wellness for everyone involved. And there are five key drivers of transformative care. There's a personal, a community, a physical, a nutritional, and a spiritual. And these things coordinating all together to drive better health outcomes, better wellness, and more purpose for people, that's how people can live longer and live better. And so my dream is in three to five years, we're taking a broader look and not just saying, oh, it's healthcare's problem, <laughs> right? We're not just approaching the 15%. We're taking a much broader view and we're saying, hey, how do we integrate the personal goals, the personal life plans, the community goals, the sense of belonging, the accountability for each other, 
the physical goals, where we're also looking at how to increase movement into our day-to-day life. The nutritional goals, I mean, we know that most of cardiovascular disease can be preventable with the right diet and the right nutritional choices. And lastly, I think as a society, we've lost that spiritual component because that spiritual component brings a deeper sense of meaning and purpose that you can tell our society today is lacking. And so my hope is these five drivers of health and wellness that you need to reach a transformative care result that everyone knows about. You've given us so much to think about today. I, I greatly appreciate your time joining us today. I want to give our listeners a chance to know how to learn more. What's the best way for them to connect with you personally and to, when we mentioned the YouTube channel at the beginning, what's the best way for listeners to learn more and connect with you? Well, Jared, they could follow me on LinkedIn. Just look me up, Dr. Gordon Chen on LinkedIn and, and follow me. And then also continuing to follow my YouTube channel, Dr. Gordon and and there'll be more coming out on transformative care. Outstanding. This has been such a pleasure. And that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Dr. Gordon Chen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Jared. Look forward to our next checkup. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness. Then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. 